Service Radio. You're listening to the DC Public Library on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. I'm Victor, a librarian with the labs at the Watha T. Daniel Shaw Library. Today we present you with a crypto party episode. I'm joined by Slabber, who is helping organize and will present in our upcoming crypto party event at the Shaw Library. Slammer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Victor, for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Slammer and I will be talking about digital privacy and security. But before we begin, Slammer, um, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I've lived in D.C. for almost 15 years, or maybe it was my 15-year um, anniversary. I call it my home. Uh, my background is... Uh, in radio, um, radio production, uh, as well as in education, I was a um, um, media just or a media literacy teacher and radio production teacher for middle school and high school students at an organization called Radio Roots. I also um, am a web developer, and I've been doing uh, work around digital security, hosting trainings around the country. Um, and most beloved for me is hosting those trainings in, um, in D.C. And I'm a DJ. I'm part of this amazing crew called Anthology of Booty. Um, and we uh, have organized parties in D.C. and around the country. That's awesome. Thank you, Slammer. I mean, you're really skilled and have so many talents. <laughs> I have a lot of interest. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, well, again, we're, we're talking about digital privacy and security today. Um, when we talk about these terms, what are we talking about, Slammer? Or do you want to unpack these for our listeners? Yeah, I'll unpack a little bit, and maybe as we speak more, the, the definition um, will, will expand. Um, when I think about digital security, I think about approaches to protecting our digital bodies, which I could talk a little bit more about that, on various platforms, um, devices, including our mobile devices, um, including our laptops, computers, uh, um, a lot of people, some people would say, that, you know, the, our internet of things. So whether it is if you have a, a smart refrigerator, for instance, um, or uh, a Bluetooth speaker, like anything that has, uh, um, can be programmed um, to do something. Uh, and so that's where, that's where I would start. Great, great. And I mean, we, we're surrounded by so many digital devices. I think there's more and more gadgets or uh, these devices in our lives. Um, and I think we'll, there'll be more of them as, as time goes by. Um, so we'll, we'll be having a crypto party at the Shaw Library. Um, what is a crypto party? So a crypto party is a global movement of uh, free um gatherings to uh, Skillshare around um, protecting uh, ourselves digitally. So I'm being vague because it's, an, it's kind of an open source, as in like anybody can throw the crypto party. Okay. Um, this is not uh, something that is uh, proprietary. Um, uh, so basically, you know, I found out about crypto, uh, uh, the crypto party movement, and I was like, I want to bring that here. And the idea is like you host in most likely a public, a public space, like a library, which we'll do at Shaw. Um, and you invite folks to come in on various levels. So you, you can come in being like, I don't know anything about digital security. I don't know what that is. 
and hopefully leave that space with a better understanding of what you want to do in terms of um, creating a digital security plan or creating a plan around your your um, your security and privacy. And so uh, there's crypto parties all over the world. Um, you'll see a lot of them in Europe. There's amazing crypto parties um, that happen in New York. And we've had definitely some in DC. And um, my, uh, my uh, collaborator, uh, co-conspirator, Tanya Lee, um, and I were just like, we need to have something that's fun. Because um, the idea of a crypto party is like, this is a lot of this stuff is, can be really scary for folks to think about. Right. And so the idea is like, how do we uh, create an environment where people can learn and learn and joy um, and feel empowered rather than feeling disempowered? And right. so that is the, the goal of my, the goal of our crypto party to do that with food, to do that with face painting, to do that with music. We're going to have an uh, amazing DJ. Uh, uh, Rat, who is um, my sister slash like <laughs> co-conspirator too, um, who is uh, part of the anthology of Booty Crew and also throws her own party um, called Maracuya. Uh, so we 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 want we want as many folks to come in and feel like oh I don't really need to know anything and you actually probably you do know a lot. I think that's also the major thing about a crypto party for me is saying, letting people know that you you have the tools to do this work, and it's and it really is just a space for us to take that stuff that we do online, take it offline, and have conversations. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure to work with both you and Tanya. Shout out to Tanya, um, Hi, Tanya. In, in organizing and planning this. Um, for me, it's it's really good to it's really good that the library is hosting this event. Um, I mean, the library is a digital space, and um, people are engaged online and with each other in various ways. Um, and it's important to affirm what we know about online security and, and privacy and, and, and walk away with some new tools. Um, and it's glad to see this being such an inclusive space where everyone can join and participate. Um, so just to remind folk, everyone, to let everyone know, the Crypto Party at the Shaw Library is on Monday, October 22nd at 6 p.m. Um, you could register at any D.C. library location, or you can visit us online at the Eventbrite page. Um, the website is bit.ly forward slash DCPL Crypto Party. Um, again, that is bit.ly ly forward slash dcpl crypto party or we can you can also just come in and we'll um, we'll let you in um great do you want to say anything else um there's going to be asl and spanish interpretation uh interpretation in spanish so um that's super important for us we want folks to um to come in and be able to engage fully um and we'll also have some uh some child-friendly activities like face painting, which for me, I, I've, I like to empower my child, uh, my inner child, uh, who also comes out a lot. Um, and so I love face painting, and um, we'll have some games and coloring. So this is um, an all-ages uh, event in a lot of ways. Great. Um, so I guess we can, um, in thinking about digital security and privacy, um, I guess the biggest obstacle that we have is sometimes fear that these things are really technical 
or it's just very challenging to to stay ahead. Um, like there's very recently we saw in the news there was a big breach um, to Facebook that affected um, fifty over fifty million users. Yes. Um, so I guess can, what are some major obstacles in your opinion to staying safe and and anonymous in digital spaces? So I think there's a lot that we just don't know about the devices that we use and the platforms that we use. Um, A lot of that is really done on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is also part of the problem is that we have given up control and given up our idea, the belief that we should have an idea and should um, hold companies and uh, uh, organizations responsible for the data that they um, have on us. And I start with that because um, I want to go back to this this belief in a digital body. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our physical bodies, right? And we do all sorts of things to take care of them. We drink water, we eat food, we let, you know take take showers, <laughs> baths, whatever. We put on candles if we want to, you know, like some of us, like I, you know, light candles or light incense to calm us down to really take care of our mental health, read a nice book, all these things that we do to take care of our, our physical bodies. We know where our physical body is housed, right? I'm, I know where my physical body is. It's, it's in this studio. We also have, um, digital bodies, right? And so for me, like a digital body is, um, is, is, uh, is housed in many servers, right? When I'm talking about my digital body, I'm saying, where is all of this information about me? For instance, go- coming here, did I use um, Google Maps to map out uh, my, the location that I, was, that, I, that I came from to here? So once I did that, what was the information that I was provide- providing Google, right? Mm-hmm. Google, in some ways, when I use Maps, knows more than anybody <laughs> in my life, right? There's a lot, there's a lot that we, a lot of information that we give to companies, um, digital information about us that even the closest people to us wouldn't necessarily know about that, like how I got here. Um, and so, you know, that also includes, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm, I, I love using Instagram, right? So I like to take photos. I, I, I use it in a lot of different ways. Um, and so the fact that, you know, Facebook owns um, Instagram, if I'm still correct on that. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, Facebook has all of this information uh, about me, not only um, not only uh, where possibly if I turn on my location, um, where that picture was taken, but also the device that my that picture was taken from, like a Samsung or an iPhone, all of that. So the difference between our digital bodies and our physical bodies is that my physical body is pretty contained, right? right? And then I have all these physical things like my passport and all of that that's like physically I can access. My digital body is all over the place, right? Because I have all of these different platforms that I use that house these, this, this information about, about myself. If I use a Fitbit, that, the, you know... Uh, that information about my um, heart rate and all of these things are, are all um, housed someplace. Um, and so the challenge is 
you know, understanding it, like mapping out. We really, Tanya and I really believe in this idea of personal mapping, like personally map where your, where your digital body lays, right? Mm-hmm. What, so that means like, what are the devices that you use? What are, and in those devices, like what kind of information is stored? Um, what platforms do you use? Do, do you use LinkedIn? So if you use LinkedIn, what, what is LinkedIn connected to? What other third parties are connect, connected to the, to the LinkedIn profile that you use? Um, where is that? Uh, what, um, you know, is it active? Has it, you know, a lot of people still have MySpace and they haven't right. <laughs> used it. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's the challenge. It's like you don't even know where to start, right? And like starting from a personal mapping of where those things are, like where your digital body lies um, is a really important place to start. Um, meanwhile, understanding that right now there's uh, digital securities on trend. Okay, so there's all of this information that um, that uh, is always being thrown at you about. Like these are the best practices for like securing yourself, uh, being safe. But there's no hundred. There's there's no. Um, I don't believe in a hundred percent safe or a hundred percent secure. I think that puts us in a position where we're going to feel like we're automatically like there's there's no hope because this is the thing like every day that I live there's no there's no there's no um it's not a hundred percent that you know tomorrow I will have you know that I will that I'll, I'll exist in this world I hope that I will I'll do the things I need to do to support myself and other folks to live the life that I want to live but there's no hundred it's not a hundred percent but What's really important is like the plan that I'm creating for my for for my life, um, and so I go I I, t- I talk about that as like um, a challenge because it keeps people from learning because of the fact that not only is there a lot of information but a lot of that information claims that you will be 100% safe, and also the you know one day a security practice will be good and a tool will be good. But then the next day, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, two-factor authentication, it's not that great, <laughs> you know? And then right. people are like, then what do I do? And really, this is my last point, because I'm going on and on, but for me, secure, like um, digital security practices are iterative. So the needs that I have, my security needs today may be very different tomorrow. And the whole point is for me to recognize that that is the case and that it this is... Uh, a lifelong um, learning experience um, and not to make my feel and you know really empower myself and not feel bad about practices that may have not been the best at that very moment right yeah. well I really like how you talk about um, digital security and privacy being like how we think about our own the own safety of our bodies I've never thought of it that way and um, I mean, these things can be overwhelming for users, uh, people who have often don't have easy access to computers, um, who didn't maybe grow up with, with digital spaces. Um, but yeah, I, I see people signing on t- um, to terms of service and just agreeing to them blindly. Um, but what are we agreeing to different to terms of services when we agree to them? Like it's like we're, we're putting a lot of trust on these, um, corporate identities and organizations when we agree to these terms. And sometimes if we know this, these terms of services like differ all the time. Um, 
So you're, you're right when, when you say that we're not always 100% safe. It's a matter of making those choices to try and keep us safer um, and anonymous online. Um, I wanted to unpack this term of digital breach. Um, what is a, a digital breach? Um, so, so I want to talk about data breaches yeah. and like the, the idea of that your um, data is uh, compromised or leaked in a certain okay. way. So it's like, for me, a, a, you know, a digital breach, a data breach is that sensitive information, information about you is uh, no longer controlled by the entity that you gave that information right. to and it's somewhere else right so we'll talk like in terms of um uh the equifax breach which is the credit report agency right. um unfortunately and this is my opinion is i think it's wrong that credit bureaus um can impact your life the way that they do um including you possibly being denied jobs housing things that are critical to your <laughs> ability to live in this world and because that breach happened um they you know all of this information about people's um uh i think maybe like the i could be wrong social security numbers um various personal information like addresses things like that were uh possibly leaked um uh about us and the you know that that access was unauthorized mm -hmm. um and that means that we have no idea what that, how that could impact us. Um, it could mean that someone could use your social security number to access, um, you know, a particular, uh, 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 you know, a credit card or something, or um, and could impact your your credit. And so, uh, that's that's one example of a, a data breach. Facebook also, as you said, was a a data breach too um, because of the uh, sensitive information or your personal identifying information was leaked um, and is somewhere uh, that is not controlled by Facebook. So in, in, in a way, these data breaches are um, kind of violate these terms of service, like violate users by going against these terms of services or... So that's the... That's the that's kind of the the conundrum in terms of services. Um, a lot of the ter terms of service that we enter into um, are not consumer not, are not consumer oriented. They protect the company, right? Um, and so that is you know the, the, there's this amazing community of folks who are working towards um, trying to shift that um, so that terms of service are really um, do reflect uh, consumer uh, privacy and, and, um, and protection and center that. Um, it, I, I listened to this podcast called Note to Self, which I think right now, I don't know if they'll ever make another, it may, it may have ended, but one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite uh, uh, episodes was an interview with uh, Sir Tim um, Berners-Lee, who, like who is the inventor of the World Wide Web. And he says that he he you know he has expressed a lot of disappointment about disappointment of what is happening um, to the internet, and he says that he thinks all companies should opt into a terms of service with the individual, mm -hmm. rather than us having to opt into a terms of service with the company. 
So I would say most terms of service that people opt into um, are not reflective of, uh, of, of protecting your privacy and your security um, because there's very little repercussions that a company will, um, will have to deal with if a data breach happens, even though it may be it's their fault, you know. Um, but will Facebook face any repercussions? Did Equifax face any repercussions? Right. <laughs> no, I would say. Um, so, so these terms of services are not like consumer protections, but they're really there to serve the best interests of that corporate identity or organization. That's my, that's my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I also think that in a lot of ways, these, 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 the TOS, t Terms of Service, that we opt into, um, is you, you kind of have to be a lawyer to be able to understand it. You know, there's a lot of vague terminology, um, like using the word, you know, reasonable to say, like, we will reasonably uh, protect your data in a certain way. Like, there's just a lot of vagueness in these, yeah. in, in, in TOS agree agreements. Um, and so the question for me is like, what is the kind of digital literacy, web literacy that we are, 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 are doing in our communities mm -hmm. to um, essentially break down these, 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 uh, these tech terms? Like when we, when in your TOS, um, someone, uh, a company talks about encryption, do, do, you, do folks even know what encryption is? Like what, to encrypt an email, like to scramble or network traffic, network traffic when you're um, online and on the internet and you're, you know, trying to enter a website. Um, what is encryption? How do you how do you explain that to someone that when you're sending something, um, you can like using encryption means that you can scramble that um, that that uh, that text or that information so that someone or some entity wouldn't necessarily know what was the content of that of that information that you sent but we're not having those we're not having those conversations as in a in a way that is normative right no and i brought the terms of service for facebook and in just like looking at them things are written out in in ways that seem like they're beneficial to the user um, like the first point there is creating a personalized environment. Um, what, does that, what does that exactly mean? Um, I think, in my opinion, it means that you'll be presented with like advertisements that cater to what you're searching online, um, all of that. And what are the dangers of that? I guess it's creating in a bubble of information where you're not pre you're not then presented with things that are different, but then also just you're being tracked and um, your Google search is talking to Facebook, which then presents to you presents you with these very personalized ads. Um, yeah, do you have anything else to add about that? Yeah, I don't have much to add. It's just funny reading their terms of service because it's so. Uh, it's like they're trying to sell you on something, right. and which is weird um, to me, rather than just, you know, finally they go into permissions, like on the third or fourth page, which seems really weird to, you know, start that over there. Um, and, yeah, so once again, it's like there's, 
it's not easy to navigate these terms right. of service. So if you are feeling like, oh, I don't understand this, or I'm, or I'm frustrated by this, I'm just like, it was, it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and this technology is being built a lot faster um, than the conversations around ethics, around community engagement, um, in terms of uh, uh, communities being able to have a say on how these are, um, how how these uh, these devices and and platforms are used for and against us, or not with our interest in mind. Right. Um, and so it's you know we talk a lot about companies like for-profit companies. I, I would also say that nonprofits um, and, and community organizations are not having these conversations about. Mm-hmm terms of service like when you know if you if I'm at a community meeting and you um, and I sign up for the community meeting what are you going to do with that information right why are you asking for my phone number mm-hmm. why are you asking for my address where are you going to store this information how long are you going to have this information like some like I really do think it's important for companies and organizations to set up a time of deletion for this information right. saying that a year from now if you do not like we will delete this information um, or uh, delete this personal information about you uh, whether it's your uh, you know um, whether you were at an event uh, a, a year ago or whether it was the fact that you um, you uh, visited a website that we are on but those are hard conversations to to, to have right um, no they're they're extremely hard but yeah, I think you're absolutely right that we have to apply scrutiny um, when we agree to these terms, when we talk um, to our employers, to our community partners about these issues. We have to um, look at it with a critical eye and, and, and really expect transparency and, and not just that, but demand it. Demand transparency when we are being asked for our information and our data and how is it being used? Like, how long is it being stored? And what measures are being put in place to protect that data? Yeah, and I also want to add that you know one of the one of the 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 beliefs that I hear in you know the info security community is like people just don't care. Like we're we're like right. really we need to push people to to care about these things. I'm like it's not that people don't care. It's because it's that people don't know, and the information is so overwhelming, and there you know every single day we're like inundated with a new breach, um, and people are trying to live their lives under a lot of um, a lot of trauma, and a lot of responsibilities, and I've I do not believe that people don't care because when I'm doing these these um, these trainings, and we're talking about our digital bodies and what we want to protect and like what we what we um, love like because really ultimately it's like when I when I'm thinking about digital security oftentimes it's it's uh, for some folks it's presented as protecting property um, protecting the individual and for me digital security is not protecting property um, it's really evaluating what I care about what I love I love my I love my friends I love my family um, my friends are my family. I, you know, I want to be able to uh, to feel safe in um, in terms of like being able to have food and a place to stay. That's what I value, and for me, that's like once I think about that, then that's when I start thinking about my security plan, right? So if I value all of these things, what are the things that could impact me not having that or me, um, uh, 
the, one of the things I want to add is that for me, individual security, if my community is not safe, I'm not safe. It doesn't matter what I encrypt. It doesn't matter if I encrypt my whole life. <laughs> um, if, my, if I have folks in my, in my life who are, who are struggling with their security practices and something happens, then that, that, that ultimately impacts me. Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I just... no, I, I agree with you that and, and, and think that, I mean, I, I've seen it firsthand at the library that people really care about these things. Um, as a librarian at Shaw Library, I'm constantly being asked, is this safe or is this email like actually coming from an um, authentic source? Like, why am I being asked to do this or that? So people definitely care. And, and the people care about their, their security and, and privacy a lot. And, and I think more and more people should ask these questions of librarians in every library in, in, in the US and everywhere, really. Um, so maybe we can share some resources or tips and strategies to staying safe. Yeah. Um, um, so maybe trying to unpack when we when we sign up for different platforms or services, um, avoiding, I guess, the, the, the automatic agreement to terms of services. Yeah, that can, that's hard. That is hard. <laughs> um, I, because there, it's, I, I think it's, for me, I, I wanna take a harm reductive, a reduction approach to digital security. So starting out with mapping out where your, lo where your information is um, I think is really important um, mm -hmm. doing the personal mapping before you start implementing uh, practices and tools. Okay. Um, and then from there, there's like a few things that you that you can do, like just Google yourself to see what comes up. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, there's data brokers that are actively selling our information right. for ten dollars, <laughs> and so. You, you can opt out. There's ways of opting out of having that information for a certain amount of time um, be easily accessible for someone who, for someone or a company to, to access. Um, so doing those things like uh, Googling or DuckDuckGoing or um, things like that, I think is, is uh, a good start. And also I want to say that um, there, especially if you are in a vulnerable community, like if you're seeking, you know, housing through the government or um, uh, various other government services, you can't opt out <laughs> of being in of your digital body being claimed by the you know the gov the government infrastructure. The most surveilled people, the most the people who are the most most vulnerable in terms of like uh, d data security breaches, digital security breaches are people who there is no opportunity to opt mm. out. And what is our government doing? What are our government institutions doing to protect our um, security and privacy um, when they are in relationship with third-party actors that they are you know, working with in various ways? Right. Um, so I think it, it's true. There's, you have to ask yourself, like, if you are going to opt into a service, why do they need certain information mm -hmm. about you? So it's like, you don't have to give everybody your phone number. You don't have to give everybody your address. Yeah. Like if I'm walking down the street and someone's like, where's the, you know, can you tell me directions to this place? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, uh, 
you know, where's your house? I'm not going to tell them, <laughs> like, where's my, where my house is. Um, but, you know, uh, also, like, I, have a, I, have, I like to compartmentalize my life. So it's like I have an email address for social media stuff. I have my personal mm. e- email address. I have an email address for financial information. Because the thing is, if one, if one thing is preached, or not preached, breached, um, that means that it's not necessarily connected to all my different accounts. Mm-hmm. Also, most likely, if you have an email address, you have, been, you, you have experienced a data breach. You can go on a website called Have I Been Pond, um, P-W-N-D, and put in your email address. Uh, you can read their terms of service, too. <laughs> Um, and you'll see the breaches. Like, I have one email address, four breaches, and, that, and I'm a digital security practitioner, right? Right. Um, and then uh, F- Firefox, uh, the br- browser, um, they, Mozilla Firefox, they have uh, a, um, uh, uh, a tool called Firefox Monitor, which is connected to Have I Been Pond, and, like, if there is a data breach, they'll email you if you, if you give them your email address, um, and they'll let you know when there's a data breach using your email address. Right. So that, that's just one start. Yeah, no, that's important to map out where all of your digital information and personas live. Just like how you know where your wallet is, where your house is, where your money is living. So that's important. Um, do you have any suggestions for creating passwords? Yeah, I have a few, a, f- a few suggestions without going into my whole like workshop on passwords. Um, you, it, passphrases are great. So passphrases as in like something that's unique to you, like, um, uh, you know, I look at the sky in, to the west. I don't know the best way of describing it, but the reason why I say passphrases is because at this point, like computers are only as smart as... I, I'm not. Even, I shouldn't even say smart, but it, it's machines can't think for themselves, right? And so we can't necessarily um, think about all the different ways that people uh, live their life and could incorporate into a password. So instead of like at, at some point, there was a, an idea that you know um, the belief that if you have a password that has uh, you know numbers, characters, and um, that that was like a good standard password, um, and then you like capitalize. But then what people were noticing that like people would be password and then they would have their S's be dollar signs and then like maybe a number one and then capitalize like W. So we we're like we're all unique, like human beings were individually unique, but we're also the same in a lot of ways. And sometimes an idea for a password is like probably a lot of other people have have that password. I would also say changing your passwords like at least like once um, once every six months. Uh, definitely, if you haven't pa- started your password since AOL started, <laughs> um, then you should definitely change it. And then also um, having um, not using the same password over and over again uh, in all of your platforms, that's also another uh, a, a good practice, too. And then there's these tools called password management tools mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it's like it's really hard to remember all your passwords um, especially net more and more services are, are opting ser- services that used to be something that you would physically like, I don't know, go to like now has like a digital component to it. So, um, 
So it's hard. It's like we're, we have just more things to more passwords to remember. So a password management tool keeps stores all your passwords, which seems antithetical to the whole like digital security practice. But because of the form of encryption, the kinds of the kind of encryption that these password management tools do, like one password or um, last password mm -hmm. um, or last pass, sorry, uh, they uh, you know, you ha you only have to remember one uh, master password, and then you can um, uh, have all your passwords stored for your plat for all the platforms you choose to, and then it will just auto populate. You can also have LastPass or One Password um, change passwords every like a certain after a certain amount of time, um, or create passwords that are uh, uh, you know pretty strong. Um, once again, these are not 100% safe. Right. Like, there's all sorts of things that, that could happen, but we're, we're mitigating risk. We are taking harm reduction approaches um, and really just recognizing that um, you, you, you will not, it's not about failure, it's about uh, opportunities for learning. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that approach. So again, creating a password that is a unique phrase yeah, a passphrase, yeah. Yeah, and, and in all honesty, if you're using a unique phrase, it's easier to remember, maybe? <laughs> yeah, easier. And you can add characters and things right. like that, yeah. too. I always tell users, think of a unique phrase that's long, and then set up a pattern that you only know, yeah. and follow this pattern whenever you create a new password, yeah. a passphrase. Um, and maybe not maybe not lyrics to songs yeah or yeah. like <laughs> quotes from books yeah, something <laughs> that is uniquely about you and your life yeah um, also not using a single password for every platform and considering using a password management tool great um, another thing I see often is people saving their username and password onto a web browser or um, the computer, um, are those safe or unsafe? Um, you know, the, so password management tools essentially are sort of like that. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I would say to think about what your relationship is to this device that you're using to do that. Mm -hmm. If you're at the library, you probably should not save your passwords uh, right. to a computer that you um, that you are logging into into at the library. Um, so I would say that you know really take into consideration um, how easy. For instance, like some people don't have a password to their laptop. Mm -hmm. um, you, that's like one, that is, that is one barrier. That's like one, that's, that's one security practice. Like I have a, a pass, I have a, um, not pass, yeah, a password, but I have a, uh, my, my phone locks unless I put a pin number in, right? Okay. Um, so that is like one security practice just in case someone has access to my phone and, um, is you know perusing online it's not it's not the it's not the first and last defense it's just a defense right. um so, so in yeah. other words like evaluating the tool that you're using where you're saving all your passwords and and usernames and kind of assessing is this tool 
um, being transparent about how they're saving and what um, security measures they're putting in place. Yeah, I would say that I'm I'm a big fan of logging out. <laughs> right. Log- <laughs> um, but once again, it's like my digital security needs um, and and my risk are different than everybody else. Right. So, and I would say it's it's unique to you. You have to. The, I, I don't believe in absolutes, and I don't believe that um, that there are. I I don't think it serves us to think that there's only one way of doing something, mm-hmm. and then when we don't do it, then it's automatically our our fault, right. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think once again, these are opportunities for learning and really understanding, um, creating a, a plan for um, our digital life. Um, I've seen a trend of um, incognito and private browsing. Can you speak a little bit about that or your thoughts on that? Yeah, so so that's the thing. That's the the amazing thing about um, digital security implementation and like do, doing like a, a risk assessment of, for yourself. It's like, what are you worried about and what are you trying to protect? Those are mm-hmm. the questions. So maybe I'll have incognito. Um, private browsing on because if someone has access to my physical computer, I don't want them to necessarily see my web history. Um, like my nephew, it's like there's really sensitive material that I'll look up that I don't want to be like, so what, what is, you know, n- not encryption, but like something that has to do with like, um, he's, he's eight. So, and I don't want him necessarily to open up Firefox or open up um, Chrome and see my web history. So once I close out of, uh, you know, incognito or private browsing, um, that web history is gone. Does that mean that in Chrome, Google doesn't have have my information? They uh, they do. Google has my not Chrome, right. but yeah, they'll have that information. So that that browsing history is is still, um, or yeah, Google in a sense still knows what I did on. On, uh, on online, right? So if I'm, if that is my, if that's my worry, that of corporate surveillance, I haven't addressed that. Mm-hmm. Versus, I'm worried about someone physically having my laptop and going onto my computer and seeing what I've visited. Great. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess when we choose private browsing, it doesn't mean that we're not leaving a trail yeah. of data mm-hmm. somewhere. Yes. And that trail still exists, but it's in our own unique browser. That history is no longer going to be there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about, can you talk about some um, online etiquette t- for staying safe and creating an inclusive online environment? Yeah. When you say staying safe, what, could you tell me a little bit more about? I guess, well... I mean, we've all heard stories of people trolling um, each other online or just finding, trying, harassing people online. Um, I don't know, some best practices towards making sure that we're we're not guilty of that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trolling. There's a lot of, like, folks, like, targeted harassment against people and, um, uh, insulting people online. I'm not into any of that. Um, there's amazing folks who are working around this issue. 
there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of ways that people interact online that they wouldn't interact in person, <laughs> and right. that is uh, that. That is a, a really important cultural shift. Um, but it's also still an extension to um, what exists in in our society. So when we see people, you know, joking about sexual assault and targeting folks, like we live in a society that upholds patriarchy, misogyny, sexism, racism, xenophobia, um, all of those things. So I, I also don't want to separate the online arena so much from like our everyday life. I think in terms of um, our physical lives, um, I think one of the things that, you know, I always suggest with people is just to, to assess like how much of your how much of your personal information you want to put online. So if I'm on Instagram, I probably won't geotag my um, where I uh, took my picture. Um, if I choose to share a photo, um, I won't necessarily give, you know, on Facebook, which I'm not really on, but on Facebook, like I wouldn't necessarily um, put, you know, where I live or any other personal inf information. Um, at all, uh, but that's also my own risk assessment. And like for some folks, it's like I'm I'm a community organizer. I need to put some of this information right. yeah. too. Um, and there's a lot of different things to think about. Like you know maybe for if you uh, give out instead of giving out your personal phone number, set up a Google phone number or like a proxy phone number right. that um, so that people don't have your physical your physical phone number. Um, you know, there's also a lot of, there's, it's, it's, we don't talk about taking care of our mental health online. Like, that's a really important thing for mm -hmm. me. And so, like, um, not reading comments, you know, even if you're not part of the conversation, like, just, like, stopping comments, like, things like that are really important. And also, like, holding companies accountable around right. how they de address online harassment. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, I'm on Twitter. Twitter's not doing a good job. <laughs> a lot of these companies are not doing a good job of supporting folks around um, holding people accountable. Um, uh, yeah, because, you know, and then people talk about free speech. There's a whole nother thing. Uh, like all sorts of stuff that's used um, to uh, support um, this, this kind of trolling. And I think you could just do a whole show around, yeah, around we, that. Yeah, we can. <laughs> continue talking about this for a long time. Um, we're, we're getting close to being done. Um, do you have any final tips or um, we also have a, a list of resources that we can share um, or any final thoughts that you have, Summer? Um, yeah, uh, there's so many thoughts. I just want to like really uplift a lot of the work that's being done around um, this. You know, there's uh, you know, there's folks like who are doing consumer protection around this. Uh, consumer uh, Consumers Union is one of them um, around centering the security and privacy of, you know, individuals. There's folks like uh, the Center for Media Justice that is really thinking about surveillance culture around, um, uh, around uh, uh, security and, and privacy in communities um, and individuals. There's so many folks who are doing this work um, in community with each other. And I just want to say that like digital security shouldn't be a practice you do by yourself at all. I don't think it's, I, it's not something I promote. Like I don't believe that you should just sit in front of your computer and like figure this stuff out. I really do think it's a community effort and we have to really 
shift towards building a sustainable security culture that focuses on joy um, and centers joy. That's why we're throwing this crypto party on October 22nd at 6 p.m. Um, <laughs> because we really want people to have fun and like recognize that there's so much trauma happening. There's so much oppression that's just taking up our bodies and our minds. And me talking about security, if it's really freaking you out and that's, all, that's what you mainly leave with, that's on me. Like it's not on you. So I really want to uplift, like trying to figure out ways of bringing joy and empowerment in this work. Yeah, well, Slammer, thank you for your time and for joining us. And for everyone who's listening and who wants to learn more about these issues and and grab some tips, some resources, um, join us at our crypto party again on October 22nd at 6 p.m. at the Shaw Library. Um, Well, thanks again, Slammer. And um, this has been an episode of the DC Public Library Presents on Full Service Radio, broadcasted live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. Thank you, and everyone have a good afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. Thank you.